0: Welcome to Feminized. It's time for a show that turns the spotlight on the powerful women shaping cannabis culture. The cannabis industry is on fire and women are sparking it up. If you like the show, please subscribe. You can also subscribe to the Feminized Podcast with Liz Grum on YouTube and Instagram. The future is Feminized. Hey, sis. You're now listening to the Feminized Podcast. Hey, sis. Happy 2023. I'm so excited to bring you my very first interview of the new year. Um, She is a special one. It's Gretchen Gailey from Washington, D.C. She is a cannabis communication specialist and the founder of Panoptic Strategies in D.C. Uh, And also, fun fact, she is a correspondent with me in Hyatt at 9 News. So I've really gotten to know you, Gretchen, um, through Hyatt at 9 and have loved Your energy, and I'm just so excited to have you on Feminized.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's always great to be a part of any show that really puts forth women in the industry. I feel like you know our voices aren't out there enough. We were there at the beginning of the industry, and I I feel like we've been slowly being put aside. And so it's good to keep us vocal.
0: Absolutely, I appreciate that, and that's exact the exact purpose of the Feminized platform is just to promote. Stope women doing the work and making the cannabis industry better. Um, and so I've always been so fascinated by you and your role in the cannabis industry. I've heard bits and pieces of it um on high at nine, but you know i would I would love to know what your path looked like to get to becoming a cannabis communication strategist. And even what the hell is a cannabis communication strategist? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, it's funny, you know, when I, I joined the industry in 2014, um, I kind of made the role up because uh, I think I was the only one doing it. Um, I joined the industry uh, with New Frontier Data. Um, some friends were starting the company um, and they said they needed help on the communications and government affairs side. Um, and I said, I know absolutely nothing about cannabis. And they said, doesn't matter. No one else does either. Um, and so basically what I help them and I help a number of other companies, what I do now is really help people with messaging, um, and really trying to understand how to get their voice out there into the space. Um, and not so much just into the cannabis media. Uh, I work a lot more when it comes towards general media, Um, and really trying to help people break through, um, getting to mainstream, um, and really helping people understand how to bring the conversation and what matters to them, basically to the kitchen table. Um, it's not hard, frankly, to sell cannabis to folks who've been in the space for you know, 40, 50 years. I mean, if you're a grower in Humboldt, you're on board, um, but really we need to get the the message out to others. Um, if we wanna have legalization happening, you have to bring in the mainstream um, and you have to turn the naysayers. So that's really what I work on doing.
0: I absolutely I just admire that mission. Um, so much um, just being in Texas where we have such an undereducated kind of population. I wish that there were more people like you, Gretchen, um, to help, you know, help Texans understand, um, you know, about all the benefits of the plant and really what we're sacrificing by not voting um, for folks who are, you know, support cannabis policy progress. Um, But what would you say right now, you know, in 2022, most States have a legal medical program, Um, And, you know, I feel like most people in the U.S. have have heard of cannabis as as medicine by this point. Um, What do you think the where do you think the messaging bottleneck is um, to get them to transition to asking their doctors about it and becoming consumers themselves?
1: I think a a big problem is lack of education. Um, I think when folks go into their doctor's office even if they've heard that cannabis is good for sleep or good for pain management i don't think they know where to begin to ask for it mm-hmm. um and i think when it comes to our doctors a lot of them aren't educated either um and really in how to prescribe or recommend uh this drug to help their patients so mm-hmm. i think it's a conversation that just gets kind of pushed to the side i think a doctor will say to a lot of patients sure you can give it a try if you want." but then they're not knowledgeable enough to help that patient who may have zero knowledge actually make decisions in their healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you really need the education on both sides of it. Um, Cause we all seen, you know, folks go into their doctor's office. They've seen a commercial like for the newest bizarre drug where everyone's oh, yeah. you know having a good time in their bathtub and they're like, <laughs> Oh, I think I should try this. And the doctor's like, no. Uh, but I think it's exactly the same way when it comes to cannabis, but unfortunately the doctors don't have the medical knowledge to really give a good answer on yes or no, of whether or not it'll help people. Uh, so I think that is really kind of where we're falling down on getting the medical, um, the medical uh, argument through, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to asking for it though, it, it always seems to be legislatively medical always wins. Um, because that's when people have seen it touch them medically. Mm -hmm. We always see lawmakers who finally someone in their family has been affected uh, with cancer or with epilepsy um, and they can see like the benefits of it. And that finally helps them to change their tunes and be willing to look at it um, as a possibility. Um, I have seen patient advocates go into offices um, and literally take their children off their medication and say, this is what I deal with every day and let their child seize on the lawmaker's office floor. Mm. Um, and would you like to deal with this? No, I deal with this 300 times a week. Mm. And the only thing that brings my child relief is cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we start to see uh, the medical programs actually go through.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. This um that's really it's just something so fascinating and powerful to hear that it's like all roads lead to epilepsy and moms um fighting for their children. You know, as as you know, that's that was the first qualifying condition to come in the Texas teacup program. Um, and so we, it's a highly restricted program. Um, but we have, you know, moms to thank for legal cannabis in Texas and uh, and many, many other places. Do you think those moms are really shaping? That conversation on a kind of macro level,
1: Um.
0: or do you think that moms are? I mean, how do we get to the moms who aren't, um, whose whose children aren't afflicted with intractable epilepsy? You know, how do we reach those moms? Because moms are the most powerful. Um, You know, they're the purchaser of the household. They're the nurturers. Um, You know, they they control the purse strings. So how do we how do we get to moms why isn't the cannabis i guess message reaching more moms
1: right um i i clearly i don't think you need to have a child with epilepsy uh right. to get the message across i don't i think any mother can understand the the need and the desire to get their child whatever they need when their child is sick i think i think that is a message that we really need to be pushing whether or not they have epilepsy or not if you know something is going to make your child feel better moms are going to do it um unfortunately i think until it's really in your backyard until you have no other way to go um and just because we have been raised on traditional medicine western medicine forever i don't think people are looking at cannabis as their first route uh to really treat their child um and so i think and I know this, everyone is going to say that you know this happens every day where we talk about we need more research, we need more research, so that the research is there. Um, yes, the research is there, but it's not being pushed out. It's not mm. being heard. Um, and honestly, that research needs to get into the hands of folks like the FDA, into the hands of regulators, um, for folks to see that these are viable options. Um, and we need to push it also in medical school. So, like I said, the doctors out there are getting the education they need where a mom can come in and say, I don't know if I want to put my child on all these drugs for this or that, and have a doctor be willing to say, all right, we can go this route. Um, but not enough is really known about it. But if you're willing to take that chance, I mean, most times um we see folks go to cannabis, um, it's often a last resort. And that's because insurance doesn't pay for it or for other various reasons. Um, We need to get past those barriers. I think if it were paid for by insurance companies, I think that would be a huge help in getting moms and other folks to adopt it. Accessibility Mm -hmm. is a huge issue. Um, There are just so many things we have to get past to make it actually viable. I don't think that the stigma is so attached nowadays where people are like, oh, it's stoner medicine. I, mm-hmm. I, I really think that people have seen over the years, the sky is not falling, mm-hmm. um, that it does have medical benefits. Enough people have seen Sanjay Gupta. I think that there are plenty of people are willing to take it seriously when it comes to medicine. I really do.
0: Right, right. Um, I I, def, I tend to agree, um, but there's still that sticking point of I think federal illegality that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. I mean, doctors included right um what do you what role do you think that federal illegality plays in keeping the message from getting out to the masses uh
1: i mean it it plays a huge part um because then folks like the fDA aren't touching it um research is not getting done that needs to be done gotcha. um, you know, I was talking to some lawmakers this morning on the hill um about really the problem with the ELISA markets and what we've been seeing and all their concerns are coming from inaction on the government's part. These problems have proliferated because we are doing nothing else. We are not putting in the standards and the regs necessary to allow this to be taken seriously for people to look to it as a safe product uh, that they can Mm -hmm. turn to a consistent product, quality product when it comes to medicine. I mean, that's, that's another huge barrier for this as a medicine. Um, is if I take it today, is it going to be the same next week? We don't know. Um, And truly, growers can't tell us that either. I mean, there are so many basic barriers to getting this over the finish line. Um, And if we would just be allowed to begin that process, um, I think that could help a great deal on the legalization side. Um, So many states we have seen, every state we have seen, cannabis is legalized medically first then they go to adult use. I don't understand this idea of the federal government going, okay, everything's legal, have at it, go for it. I, it's not going to work. Um, now, from an economic standpoint, that's a terrible idea uh, because it will just show, it will throw all the adult use markets into complete chaos um, because then all of a sudden people are gonna need prescriptions and it doesn't work and you can't you know, uh, stick, uh, stick the genie back in the bottle. But if we were to approach it federally, I I would say on a national level, on the medical side, you could still allow those states to keep their programs of adult use, but then push forward, looking at insurance, looking at the research, um, and nationally make it federally medically legal. I think you can start to really work out some of the problems that you see with regulations, with quality standards. Um, I think that opens the door for a great deal more research. Um, and institutions uh, of higher education, folks who won't really get into the fight right now or even play the game because they're too worried about being a federally illegal substance. I think if we can push back past that into a at least opening the door for medical, I think that will open the door for adult use down the road.
0: Awesome point. You know, and this is the first time that I've actually considered that. The feds might legalize, might, you know, have it's not an all or nothing approach, I guess. Is, is this is really the first time I'm having this conversation. It's like, well, you just need to legalize, um, really just you know, deschedule. I mean, there's just so much rhetoric happening, but it's like, wait a minute, what if they could legalize medically? What if they could, you know, give that blessing? Um, wow.
1: Hmm. I mean, we've seen so much of. Everything is has been piecemeal up to this point. Uh, we've seen the pieces of legislation that have moved the furthest have been piecemeal pieces of legislation, like Save Banking uh, has made it out of the House seven times. Um, the More Act is the only thing that's made it to the Senate and went nowhere. Um, CAOA by Chuck Schumer, no chance at all of getting 60 votes. All the, These all or nothing approaches are not gonna get the votes done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we talk to people about getting legislation for vets to have access to medical cannabis for for financing um for banking those sorts of things um even smaller social equity provisions i know everyone's pushing you know social equity and whatever that means um but like opening up the sba um and looking at different ways to help push things forward and i know no one's a big fan of piecemeal But frankly, that's how Washington operates. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to see that the world is not going to end. And for a bunch of folks whose generation is still stuck in reefer madness, it's not going to change anytime soon. I do honestly believe that cannabis is a generational issue. I think when Congress starts getting a bit younger, uh, that a lot of these problems will work themselves out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We currently do have the oldest Congress out there. it's insane how Come many on. folks. No offense, I love them all, uh, but it's 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 baffling how many of them are in their 80s who uh-huh. were the leaders of the war on drugs in the 80s, and now you're trying to persuade and change these people and get them on board, and it's just not happening. Uh-huh. Um, so we need. You'll see that some of those folks, for example, like Diane Feinstein, she'll push a research bill, uh, but she's not going to push anything else. Um, uh-huh. And her district is California, you know, the epicenter of cannabis in this country. And she has no interest in moving it past research. Um, So we really do need to look at other things. We need to look at the upcoming farm bill. We need to look at regulating this as a plant, as a crop, Um, because another argument we get into so often is like, oh, this doesn't belong in appropriations. This doesn't belong in the national defense bill. Uh, But we're trying to attach it to things that they have to pass uh, Mm -hmm. so we can get some movement but they're mm. like no this isn't about the fence whatsoever and then kick things out. So we need to be putting these things in the right vehicle to really make the argument. Um and I think this upcoming farm bill uh, might be that vehicle for cannabis. Oh,
0: that's exciting. Can you give any more insight into that?
1: No, I got nothing. Ah! <laughs> Damn it. But we 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 do know that you know the 2018 farm bill is what legalized hemp. Mm-hmm. Um Do they have the chops to figure out the loopholes and all the problems that created gray market with hemp and, you know, Deltate and all that jazz? Mm -hmm. I don't don't know. Washington doesn't really have that know-how. And frankly, that's why we need to be as part of the industry out there helping to educate these guys um, and helping them to see what our problems are. Um, I always say to folks so often, I don't think Washington is completely against cannabis. I think they don't understand it. They don't know how to regulate it. And especially when it comes to the science side, they really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to be willing as an industry to help, to educate. Um, I always tell people write to their lawmakers, you know, mm-hmm. you have to tell them what you need, what you want, and then you need to invite them, bring them to your dispensary, bring them to your grow. You have no idea how many of these guys have never seen any of this stuff. You, mm-hmm. and, and but meanwhile, they're making the laws. I mean, so right. it's time to educate them. I've been in rooms where, you know, and this is that. folks who are on board with cannabis who are, who have come to this meeting, want to hear about it, want to learn. And you say, how many of you have been to a dispensary? 50 people, no one raises their hand. Wow. Never. They have no clue. Wow. Um, And so I think when these lawmakers get a chance to walk into a business that is trying hard to be reputable, has their licensing, has their cameras, sees the level of security, sees the effort that's put into a grow that this is not some guy growing plants in his garage. I think that changes perspective. Mm -hmm. I think people really need to see what this industry can do. And honestly, a lot of the rules in Washington make that difficult because you can't just load them onto a plane, come out and see them cause that's not considered legal anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, it is really difficult to say, take someone like your folks, like a Texas member mm-hmm. who doesn't have access to this in Texas mm-hmm. and say, hey, please come see this stuff. I mean, it, it's really a, a tough, tough way to help them understand it. Um, yeah. And it's hard to equate it to other things. I'm sure right. they've all seen farms and they've been to you know, rural America and stuff, but cannabis isn't grown that way and it's no. just it, it's hard to make them understand what they need and that's what we have to do washington really has to understand what goes into this um mm-hmm. and just that there are so many other facts that we don't lean on you know everyone harps up and down on all or nothing um but then let's discuss opioids i mean there's yeah. a 25 percent reduction in medical states uh in opioid abuse when medical cannabis is available why is no one talking about that when there are all these groups put together for the war on opioids? And it's like, hello, cannabis, I'm here. I can help. Let me help you. And (laughs) these guys just need that information and they don't have it.
0: Yeah. God, you make a really great point, you know, which we can't expect our lawmakers to just, you know, to have the information that we have just because we're passionate about the subject and because we were, you know, have been lucky enough to have cannabis benefit us. I think in our lifetimes, um, you know, that's tough. I think a lot of people are pissed and when they're emotional, they're not really, you know, thinking that, well, wait a minute, maybe they don't even know that there is a literal reduction in, in opioid, um, deaths in places. As you just said, um, that was when I heard that fact a couple of years ago, or it was just like mind blowing to me, like there should be a shirt with that on it and we should all be wearing it. (laughs) You know, like that's how you save people and, and communities and build a better America, right? By taking care of, you know, the humans that are living in it. Um, so you're in Washington and you're a cannabis communications specialist, strategist. How does, what does that mean in Washington? Like, what does your day-to-day look like?
1: Um, well, it depends. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to most of my clients that I work with, um, are folks who have an interest in policy. Um, they are, you know, typical cannabis companies. They're different associations, um, who work in Washington. I've worked on, um, various political campaigns and people are trying to understand not only how to message to lawmakers about why cannabis is so wonderful, uh, but other folks who are trying to get educated on cannabis so they can message then back to the general public, so they can message to the industry. Um, One one group that I work with a lot um, is US Pharmacopeia. They are kind of the right-hand man of the FDA. They work a great deal on standards and regulations. Um, And I started working with them probably about two years ago Um, And they are like, we put together these standards for cannabis. And I was like, really? All right. But (laughs) nobody knew about it. And I love them. Bless their hearts. They send me their research paper that outlines this whole thing. And I was asleep by the first paragraph. Oh,
0: no. Oh,
1: "Oh my God. I'm like, I get it. Y'all are scientists. But this is so deep in the weeds. No pun intended. This is not going anywhere. Uh, And so they bring me on to kind of look at their work and what they've done um, and really to help message it to the industry so Mm -hmm. the industry can understand that they are out there, they are a resource, uh, they are an independent agency, um, that they are not a part of, uh, you know, the whole uh, industry hates the FDA, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but that they are here as a helping hand. Um, they want to understand what are the struggles that a grower goes through. Um, so when they are putting together their recommendations for for pesticides and looking at different molds and things and how it affects it, um, that they are actually getting knowledge from people in the industry and how they're dealing with it. Mm. Um, because they don't want to just create standards in a vacuum uh, that are not going to be useful or helpful. If, right. So that's a lot of the work that I do with them is taking their work, their research um, and really kind of putting it out there. Um, And so when I try and talk about what they're doing, I may talk about it with the industry. I will, even lawmakers don't know that they're out there. I'm like, hey guys, remember these guys, you actually help fund them. They can tell you a whole (laughs) lot about cannabis if you paid attention. Um, And so it's like connecting the dots and being a connector and helping people understand really the resources that are available to cannabis. Um, so often I, I deal a ton with reporters um, mm-hmm. and it's not just cannabis media. Like I said, I deal a lot with mainstream media mm-hmm. and I may not have the perfect client at the time to speak to a reporter about their issue, uh, but they'll say to me, hey, do you know a grower in Maine? Um, sure, I can hook you up with a grower in Maine. And so for me, that's kind of like, it doesn't benefit the the work that I'm doing Every day, but it helps them to see that, yes, we're here. I want to put them in touch with reputable voices, responsible actors in the space um, mm-hmm. who are going to help them with their reporting um, and give them good information. Yeah. Uh, there is so many times I will read a story and I'm like, where did they get this expert from? Or or what they're citing is so cannabis 101 that it's like, that taught us nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, It's very important to me to help be a connector, help people understand who is out there um, and just really kind of understand the various issues at play and who can help them to resolve them. And if it's a lawmaker, the media an association, if I can help whoever, that's what I do. I work hard on communicating cannabis uh, to anyone who will listen, basically.
0: That is that's incredible. I was going to say that's so dope. Um, but that would have been like too cheesy of a pun. Um, <laughs> so that would have been totally intended too. No, but that's it's so incredible um, because there is so much great work happening out there. But you know, it's if if no one knows it's happening, um, then it doesn't really matter. So, how did you get into this role? Have you always been a connector, or was this just something that you just found out that you were you were good at one day and just went for it?
1: Um, well, I have my background coming out of school i was a journalist uh so i've been a journalist in washington for about 12 years um wow and you know that's all about getting sources and cultivating them um again no pun intended Um, (laughs) really trying to make sure i had the resources to do the stories that i needed um but then being in washington everyone transitions between media and politics i got into politics um and that's kind of what's opened a lot of doors for me on the hill Uh, when it comes to talking about these sort of things. Um, And you just, everything in Washington, it's all about networking. Who do you know? How can you connect? How can you help someone else? Um, And that's how you get ahead. Um, It's so funny when I go places like visit friends in New York. um, New York's all about the money. New York is all about finance, Wall Street. Washington's all about power and who's connected to who. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's really, I guess, kind of where I, I just started realizing folks would ask me, Oh, do you know this? And I'm like, no, but I can figure out a way to get this to you and help you find this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the years, it just really started. I was connecting folks and people were like, Hey, you're pretty good at this. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> and so it, it's just almost a natural extension of of what I do. I, I don't know if I would consider myself just a great cannabis connector, but that's the only way to get the message out. You yeah, have to connect everyone. And so that's what I try and do.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, does it now that you're working in cannabis specifically, does it feel different for you? I mean, since you've always been this natural connector.
1: Um, no, not really. Um, it's because journalists tell stories. That's Mm -hmm. what we're naturally inclined and supposed to do. Um, and I think that's kind of what helped make my transition, um, into the space. Uh, so easily. Because when I when I joined, uh, and this is no secret to folks who know me, I am from the right side of the aisle. I've worked for Republicans. I am a Republican. Um, and But I had always been in industry, specifically when I was on TV. We have morality clauses. There's all sorts. You can't break the rules. You cannot break the law. You cannot smoke pot. Um, mm-hmm. And the same working for the government, not allowed. Uh, So I never, I don't consume. Um, Mm -hmm. I had never come up in that kind of environment. I I, I talked to folks a lot about how California, it's more ingrained, it's more kind of a way of life on the East Coast, not so much. Um, But so for me, cannabis was never in my background. Uh, But when New Frontier asked me to help them and work on their messaging side, and they told me we weren't going to take a stance. We were going to tell the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, The goal was just to put the information out there. I'm like, all right, well, that's what I did as a reporter. Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, And since I wasn't taking an official stance on cannabis, it was something I could get into. Um, And it wasn't until a few years down the road when I had a friend um, who was dying of cancer um, who really needed help. Um, and was at the end of the road pretty much. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty desperate and everything else we had tried ha- did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, and given the folks that I had met in the industry, I I reached out to them. Um, I, I reached out to a good friend of mine, Mara Gordon. Um, she uh runs Aunt Zelda's uh out of uh, just outside of uh, San Francisco, and she had done a lot of work with children in cannabis or I'm sorry, children in uh, cancer. Um, And so she helped me to come up with a type of regimen for my friend. Uh, But being in Washington, where it was not legal at the time, or Maryland or Virginia, there's nowhere around here to get cannabis um, illegally. Uh, But so she helped me through her contacts, because that was the other problem then was I couldn't just go and buy stuff off some guy on the street corner. Yeah. She wanted me to have a very specific regimen and oil that I was going to uh, provide to her. Um, and I ended up meeting some guy out in the woods in Maryland at like midnight. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to die, but <laughs> I will do whatever I have to do to get the product that I need for my friend. And it yeah. just, the light bulb went off that this is insane. Yeah. I'm trying to provide... <clears throat> medicine. And these are the hoops that I have to jump through. And I just truly believe that if if you're dying, if you have an ailment, if you have any type of health concern, you should be allowed to, you know, smoke whatever you need to, yes. uh, you know, if it's elephant dung, I don't care. Whatever <laughs> yeah. makes you feel better, it should not, the government should not be standing in the way of that. And so mm-hmm. that really kind of took me down more uh, the advocacy side Um, And then after leaving New Frontier, that was a a major goal of mine. Was to now I could be out and about. I could advocate for it, um, Mm -hmm. and started looking at the different aspects that also needed uh, more advocacy. So that's kind of my long, convoluted journey in cannabis.
0: I love it. It's never a straight path or simple (laughs) at all. Um, I mean, especially now. You know, as you mentioned earlier, we are building this uh, industry and. It's there's no easy way. There's no playbook, and it's it's so fascinating to see. I think these um, roles emerge and um, people moving into this industry from completely different industries and bringing these like new skill sets and ways of thinking. Um, I'm I'm excited, you know, about what's to come. Just because you know it, it ain't getting any slower, right? Yeah. It's not slowing down. That's <laughs> for sure. Set-
1: so funny when I joined and up with new frontier and I told my mother what I was going to be doing and she was like, Mary Jane. And I was like, yes, mom. Uh, but I don't think they call it that anymore. (laughs) And she was like, well, are they, are there benefits? And I was like, yes, this is a real job. I will have sick days. I will have insurance. I'll be fine. She's like, all right, I guess so. She was, she was a little skeptical and she's probably smoked a lot more than I ever have, so child of the 60s she probably wouldn't have yeah. met out there but
0: <laughs> yeah but she accepted it as a fact she that did. it was it's- a criminal thing and i'm going to do it anyway conscientiously yeah. object but it's a criminal thing like that's that generation you just can't you know a lot of them just can't it's shake fine. that
1: <laughs> she's like as long as you got insurance fine whatever <laughs>
0: <laughs> now is you 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 said you were from pittsburgh is that right
1: yes born oh, right so- in pittsburgh yeah
0: is are your parents still there
1: Uh, my mother, she actually just moved this year. She retired, uh, and she's living out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, Um, peaceful. But my rest of my family, my brothers, they're still there with their families. They're still all in Pittsburgh. Um, and that's one thing that I always found so interesting when I would do my messaging is, you know, I'm talking, like I said, folks in California, it's a bit more ingrained. Um, and even though Pennsylvania legalized medically years ago, um, people out there are still like you do what is <laughs> cannabis legal like people don't know and I'm like yeah you yeah. see that that's a dispensary and they're like okay like it's still very I don't want to say taboo but just um so unfamiliar they, yeah. they just don't even know where to begin um so it's just it's quite interesting that they're not opposed but they're just like I, I don't even know how would I do this um right and it's I, I have my mother on occasion taking uh, some tinctures to help, you know, with getting older. And uh, she, she was like, all right, what do I need to take? What do I get? Yada, yada. And I kind of tell her and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't go into a dispensary with you and help you. Uh, this is all you. We're going to see if we can make this work. <laughs> uh, but it's crazy that yeah. I can't tell her what product she needs. I'm like, this is what you need to go in and describe and we'll cross our fingers and hope they have something like that.
0: Um uh. uh, Wow. Consistency
1: yeah. is so important in this industry. If we can get that, I think it's going to help a great deal of people.
0: Absolutely. Consistency, I think, an access. Access, mm. access, access. Um, and and sometimes it's just even access to that information. I mean, that's where it begins, right? And having the right information um to make the decision that, you know, I'm gonna go in the dispensary today. I'm not gonna buy anything, but I'm gonna check it out. Because, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we need more people thinking like that, I think, and uh, you know the cannabis industry will continue to thrive um, if you know it's driven, I think, by by the patients and serves the patients more so than just the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge proponent of medical. I'm a proponent of all of it. Really, I think we should be free to be you know grow and take whatever medicine we choose is best for us, but, um, yeah, it's a medicine just, just because it makes you feel good and giggly and it's awesome to smoke before you go grocery shopping or whatever, doesn't mean it's not a medicine and we have to treat it that way. And sometimes when states go adult use, it seems like that kind of, uh, education goes out the window in favor of the recreational Mm -hmm. type of a marketing uh, message.
1: So many people forget that. I mean, just like you say, I take it to help me relax at the end of the night. I take it to go to sleep. They're not viewing it as a medical product, but it absolutely is. If you would take a pill to do those things, take a Xanax, whatever. Right. This is a medical thing. So 85 to 90% of cannabis users are medical patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Uh, that's part of the messaging we need to work on.
0: Absolutely. So before I let you go, Gretchen, I have to ask you the feminized three. These are just three questions I ask all of my guests because I'm nosy and I really want to know your answers. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so first question is this: Tell me who's in your dream smoke circle, Three people dead or alive.
1: Well, uh, okay. well, feel
0: free to get as descriptive as you need to with with the circle.
1: Well, since I'm not a consumer, um, but it it would be, I guess, interesting to just sit down and have conversations with these people. And I'm sure cannabis could help that. Um, (sighs) Gosh, I would, I mean, this will sound, I don't know, maybe silly. I would love Jackie O. I I, I just want to talk to her about everything Um, and just her style and, you know, her her love of history and all that. And, you Mm -hmm. know. Really, how much of you know? know, Getting to all maybe the family dirt, you know, with a little cannabis could help. Uh, Definitely, (laughs) Martha Stewart would be amazing. I want a good. I want a good woman circle, and then um, she would
0: bring some good stuff. You know, she would. uh, She smokes a Snoop, so
1: (laughs) I did a Zoom call with Martha once, and it was for an investor. It was for her cannabis skin line, and I'm looking at this one. I'm like. She, your goddess, you're how old and you look that good. I'm like, all right, well, I got to try this cannabis skincare line that you're pushing. Um, yeah. So Martha would be amazing. Um, and then who else? Um, I would have to say, you know, my good friend, Mara Gordon, she is amazing. Mm. She is a tremendous medical researcher into this. She is actually, um, a process engineer, uh, and was not, a you know, not a doctor by any means, but just figured it out, worked it out. And she is a vocal, you'd love her. She is a vocal Jewish Texas girl, yes. um, from Dallas. She she's got she has an opinion about everything. So, Mara would be great. I would love to s- sit down with the three of them and just really go at it.
0: Oh, sounds like a great circle.
1: Um, I feel like I know Mara. I, I'm, I'm you sure, must,
0: I, I'm sure I have met her. Her name definitely sparks like familiarity (laughs) and like joy. So, um, I'm going to have to have her on Feminized. Hello. You
1: absolutely need to.
0: Yeah. So my next question, um, is, is one that's very difficult. I think to answer every, every person I ask has a hard time answering it, but, um, let's give it a shot. Gretchen, can you give me, um, tell me one woman in the industry who's really inspiring you right now? And it's a tough one because it's like, oh, there are just so many women in the industry inspiring me right now. But if you could tell me one in particular, I would love to invite her on the show.
1: Sure. Um, honestly, I would have to say um, hmm. one woman that I work with. Um, her name is Christine Iannuzzi, um, and she is the founder of uh, the CW um, be expo in New York, um, which is the largest, uh, cannabis trade show on the East coast. And for her, she, it's just so huge to her. And she was doing this long before social equity became, you know, a thing was mm-hmm. inclusion and making sure that everyone had a voice. Um, and we really started putting a lot of effort into this and just last year's show coming back after COVID. Um, the, you will not find a more diverse show anywhere. Mm. Um, and she does not toot her own horn, uh, but there are so many doors that she opens. Um, folks that she sponsors, you know, who she lets in. Um, she's not, I mean, of course she needs to make money, but that is not what is driving her at all. Yeah. It is really helping people to understand cannabis to make sure it's all access. Um, and she works extremely hard at it every day. Um, and she is, she's so sweet. She's a short little New Yorker and she is just feisty. And <laughs> for her, it's just all about um, making sure that people feel a part of the industry included one of the kindest and gentlest souls out there. Uh, but, you know, don't cross her on her show floor. She will, she will, she makes sure things get done. Uh, oh, Christine, I, Christine is a great, great role model for this industry.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, going to be reaching out. Uh, the CWCBE in New York was my very first cannabis conference.
1: Oh, wow. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. In 2017. Um, and it was just, it, and I think we chose that conference because it just seemed, it did seem so inclusive. You didn't have to be an insider, right. you know, as opposed to, you know, some of these other conferences it felt a little intimidating, just kind of showing up. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cool. Yeah. We wanted to be all open doors and people to feel a part of it and Very I feel like cool. the the inclusivity side is also uh, you know no offense to other shows so much easier in New York though uh, yeah. with just the environment that New York is and the melting pot that it is it's 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 just a great vibe it's a good to show
0: I gotta get back to the CWCB you should When's first weekend
1: in June June 1st through 3rd it will be New York Cannabis Week
0: Ooh. and with uh
1: the market being open there now I mean it's gonna be a hotbed it should be a good good year.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you just said with the New York being open, with the market being open now, it's just like, oh my god, that's right. Like New York is open it's for open. business. It's adult they're, use, baby.
1: They're ready. It's,
0: they're they ready. They're selling
1: from yeah, day you one. You want to go to Union Square? You can get plenty.
0: <laughs> I love that. God. Um, very cool. All right. Well, you might just be seeing me near, near in a Week.
1: All right. Well, we'd love um, to have you.
0: Cool. Um, okay. So third and final question, Ms. Gretchen mm-hmm. is what advice do you have for your 13 year old self? So 13 year old Gretchen.
1: Um, I would say don't be scared. Um, and I know this is, you know, the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, But the, uh, do you remember the movie, I Bought a Zoo? I don't know why, with Matt Damon and his kids buying a zoo. And the one thing that stuck with me, and I don't know why, I mean, it's not the most, you know, prolific, but he says to his son, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. That's all you need. Um, And a couple of years ago, I started my own company. And truly what held me back was I was scared to death. Because I did not, I had always worked for corporations. I worked for the government. I had no business acumen whatsoever, um, and I was very nervous about going out on my own and doing my. And that really held me back from from starting it um, until I spoke with a few friends who were women entrepreneurs in the space, and they're like, "Taxes? I pay someone to do that. I mean, there are <laughs> ways to get around this stuff. You can easily jump in. Just take a deep breath and do it. It's not that hard." Uh, You just need to build your support system and your network around you. um, And you can succeed at anything you try. And honestly, failure is just a way of seeing not how to do something. Um, So stop being a wuss, get out there and just do it. Yeah. Don't be scared.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's good for 13 year olds. It's good for 31 year olds. It's good for 61 year olds. (laughs) Um, Truly, gosh, if we could just like not be scared. Think about how much we would accomplish, I think, on a daily basis. Um, So sage advice. Man, Gretchen, it was so awesome talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better today. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Of course. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope you enjoyed my, my dog and her pajamas behind me.
0: Uh, she's adorable. She was an adorable <laughs> supporting cast member for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah,
1: I'm a girl, so it all works. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> perfect, perfect. She she knew it. She felt the vibe. Yeah, I and mean, I would love to have you back on. Um, you know, as often as possible. Just with you're an awesome person. Period. Doing awesome things. But your position in um and Washington, I think, is just so um, it's cool. You're close, and you've got the inside scoop. And you know, that's what I'm interested in. There's too much clickbait out there, and there's too many know it alls who really don't know anything. Uh, especially when it comes to cannabis, uh, I don't consider you one of those people at all. You're definitely someone I look to for for the truth um and a little bit of, I think, realism when it comes to cannabis cannabis policy
1: anytime. I mean, that is, I think one thing we are severely lacking in this industry sometimes is uh re- realism. yeah uh, everyone yeah. wants the chupacabra, the unicorn, you know, piece of legislation. and it's like, all right. You know, I'd love to win the war, but let's start winning a few battles. Uh, That's where we got to go first. Oh, well said.
0: So how can people find you?
1: Uh, Well, again, I'm quite unique and original. If they want to look me up on Twitter or Instagram, my name is Gretchen Gailey. I don't have any fun little handles, so I'm not hard to find that way. Um, But also my company is Panoptic Strategies. uh, And so you can easily find me uh, through my website there as well.
0: Easy peasy. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And feminized with Liz Grow on Instagram, special thanks to our sponsors, Moose Labs and Richard's Rainwater. Feminize Podcast is a Grow House media production, created by Liz Grow, produced by Patrick Poe, Damn with original theme music and audio mixing by Q at Q to King Productions in New Braunfels, Texas.